Section 4D, The Joint Force. Introduction. This section assists airmen to successfully operate as members of a joint team. Specifically, this section discusses the foundations of joint doctrine, characterizes doctrine governing unified direction of armed forces, outlines the functions of the Department of Defense and its major components, describes the fundamental principles for joint command and control, details doctrine for joint commands, describes joint planning, provides guidance for multinational operations. Foundations of Joint Doctrine Joint doctrine promotes a common perspective from which to plan, train, and conduct military operations. The foundations of joint doctrine represents what is taught, believed, and advocated as what is right, that is, what works best. U.S. military service is based on values that U.S. military experience has proven to be vital for operational success. Fundamental Principles for Joint Command and Control Unity of command means all forces operate under a single commander with the requisite authority to direct all forces employed in pursuit of a common purpose. Unity of effort, however, requires coordination and cooperation among all forces toward a commonly recognized objective, although they are not necessarily part of the same command structure. The President and the Secretary of Defense exercise authority, direction, and control of the armed forces through two distinct branches of the chain of command and control. The operational branch, used for executing missions, runs from the President through the Secretary of Defense to the combatant commander. The operational branch includes the following types of command authorities. Combatant command authority is the authority of a combatant commander to perform those functions of command over assigned forces involving organizing and employing commands and forces, assigning tasks, designating objectives, and giving authoritative direction over all aspects of military operations, joint training, or in the case of U.S. Special Operations Command, training of assigned forces, and logistics necessary to accomplish the missions assigned to the command. It cannot be delegated or transferred. Operational control is the command authority that may be exercised by commanders at any echelon, at or below the level of combatant command, and may be delegated within the command. Operational control is inherent in combatant command and is the authority to perform those functions of command over subordinate forces involving organizing and employing commands and forces, assigning tasks, designating objectives, and giving authoritative direction necessary to accomplish the mission. Operational control includes authoritative direction over all aspects of military operations and joint training necessary to accomplish missions assigned to the command. It does not include authoritative direction for logistics or matters of administration, discipline, internal organization, or unit training. Tactical control is the command authority over assigned or attached forces or commands, or military capability or forces made available for tasking that is limited to the detailed direction and control of movements or maneuvers within the operational area necessary to accomplish assigned missions or tasks. Tactical control is inherent in operational control and may be delegated to and exercised by commanders at any echelon at or below the level of combatant command. A support relationship is established by a superior commander between subordinate commanders when one organization should aid, protect, complement, or sustain another force. Support may be exercised by commanders at any echelon at or below the combatant command level. This includes the Secretary of Defense designating a support relationship between combatant commanders as well as within a combatant command. The designation of supporting relationships is important as it conveys priorities to commanders and staffs that are planning or executing joint operations. 
The support command relationship is, by design, a somewhat vague but very flexible arrangement. The establishing authority, the common superior commander, is responsible for ensuring that both the supported commander and supporting commanders understand the degree of authority that the supported commander is granted. The administrative branch of the chain of command, from the president through the secretary of defense to the secretaries of the military departments to the service chiefs, provides the authority for the secretary of the military department to accomplish those functions and responsibilities of administration and support described in 1-0 United States Code. Administrative control is direction or exercise of authority over subordinate or other organizations in respect to administration and support, including organization of service forces, control of resources and equipment, personnel management, unit logistics, individual and unit training, readiness, mobilization, demobilization, discipline, and other matters not included in the operational missions of the subordinate or other organizations. Administrative control is a service command authority and flows through service, not joint, channels. This authority is not an operational command authority, but provides the requisite authority for services to execute their individual, organize, train, and equip functions. All National Guard and Reserve Forces, except those specifically exempted, are assigned by the Secretary of Defense to the combatant commands. However, those forces are available for operational missions only when mobilized for specific periods, by law, or when ordered to regular Air Force after being validated for employment by their parent service. Joint Force Organization Joint forces are established at three levels, unified commands, subordinate unified commands, and joint task forces and can be established on either a geographic area or functional basis. Figure 4.2 These organizations are commanded by a joint force commander. A joint force commander is a general term applied to a combatant commander, sub-unified commander, or joint force commander authorized to exercise combatant command, command authority, or operational control over a joint force. A unified command is a command with broad continuing missions under a single commander, composed of forces from two or more military departments and established by the President through the Secretary of Defense with the advice and assistance of the Chairman Joint Chief of Staff. A specified command is a command that has broad continuing missions and is established by the President through the Secretary of Defense with the advice and assistance of the Chairman Joint Chief of Staff. Currently, there are no specified commands designated. When authorized by the Secretary of Defense through the Chairman Joint Chief of Staff, commanders of unified commands may establish subordinate unified commands to conduct operations on a continuing basis using the criteria set forth for unified commands. A joint task force is a joint force that is constituted and so designated by the Secretary of Defense, a combatant commander, a subordinate unified commander, or an existing joint task force commander. A joint task force may be established on a geographical area or functional basis when the mission has a specific limited objective and does not require overall centralized control of logistics. The key to successful employment of Air Force forces as part of a joint force effort is providing a single Air Force commander with the responsibility and authority to properly organize, train, equip, and employ Air Force forces to accomplish assigned functions and tasks. The title of this commander is Commander Air Force Forces. Operationally, the Commander Air Force Forces should be prepared to employ Air Force Forces as directed by the Joint Force Commander and, if directed, be prepared to employ Joint Air Forces as the Joint Force Air Component Commander. In either event, the Commander Air Force Forces should also ensure that Air Force Forces are prepared to execute the missions assigned by the Joint Force Commander.
The requirements and responsibilities of the COMAFFOR and Joint Force Air Component Commander are inextricably linked. Both are critical to operational success. Although Air Force units, regardless of level, have an Air Force commander, the title of Commander Air Force Forces is reserved exclusively to the single Air Force commander of an Air Force service component assigned or attached to a Joint Force Commander, the Unified Combatant Command, Subordinate Unified Command, or Joint Task Force level. The Secretary of Defense, Combatant Commander, may elect to permanently establish a subordinate unified command or temporarily establish a subordinate joint task force as part of his-her organizational structure. The commanders of these subordinate joint forces are, by joint and air force doctrine, joint force commanders at a lower level than the combatant commander. If air force forces are assigned or attached to subordinate joint force commanders, that action creates an air force service component with a separate commander, air force forces, directly responsible to the appropriate joint force commander. The commander, Air Force Forces, should normally be designated at a command level above the operating forces and should not be dual-hatted as commander of one of the subordinate operating units. This allows the commander, Air Force Forces, to focus at the operational level of war, while subordinate commanders lead their units at the tactical level. The commander, Air Force Forces, commands the Air Force Service Component to the Joint Force Commander. At the combatant command or subordinate unified command level, this is normally a standing, permanently assigned organization. At the joint task force level, the Air Force Service component will normally be an Air Expeditionary Task Force. At whatever level, the Air Force Service component presents a joint force commander with a task-organized, integrated package with the appropriate balance of force, sustainment, control, and force protection. Every Air Force Service component presents a scalable, tailorable organization with three elements, a single commander embodied in the commander Air Force Forces, appropriate command and control mechanisms, and tailored and fully supported forces. The Air Expeditionary Task Force will be tailored to the mission. This includes not only forces, but also the ability to command and control those forces for the missions assigned. When forming an Air Expeditionary Task Force, the Commander Air Force Forces should draw first from in-theater resources if available. If augmentation is needed, or if in-theater forces are not available, the Air Force will draw as needed from the AEF currently on rotation. These forces, whether in-theater or deployed from out-of-theater, should be fully supported with the requisite maintenance, logistical support, health services, and administrative elements. These forces will form up within the Air Expeditionary Task Force as expeditionary wings, groups, squadrons, flights, detachments, or elements as necessary to provide reasonable spans of control and command elements at appropriate levels and to provide unit identity. Air Expeditionary Task Force command and control mechanisms are in place and are usually known as Air Operations Center. An Air Operations Center may be regional or functional, aligning with the purpose of the unified command they support. The commander, Air Force Forces, requires command activities as tools to assist in exercising operational control, tactical control, and administrative control. The commander, Air Force Forces, uses an Air Operations Center to exercise control of air and space operations and a service component staff, commonly called the Air Force Forces staff, to exercise support operations and administrative control. The character of the operations center may vary, depending on the nature of the forces. For air mobility operations, the operations center may be the 618th Air Operations Center, formerly the Tanker Airlift Control Center, at Scott Air Force Base, 
while space operations would leverage the 614th Air Operations Center at Vandenberg Air Force Base. An Air Expeditionary Task Force also needs a command entity responsible for the deployment and sustainment of Air Force forces. The Air Force Forces staff is the mechanism through which the commander, Air Force Forces, exercises service responsibilities. These sustainment activities are sometimes referred to as beds, beans, and bullets. The Air Force Forces staff is also responsible for the long-range planning and theater engagement operations that fall outside the Air Operations Center's current operational focus. The core capabilities of the Air Operations Center and Air Force Forces staff should be well-established, but tailored in size and function according to the theater and the operation. Not all operations require a full-up Air Operations Center with over 1,000 people or a large Air Force Forces staff. Smaller operations, such as some humanitarian operations, can make do with a small control center that does little more than scheduling and reporting. Combatant commanders and commanders of subordinate unified commands and joint task force commanders have the authority to establish functional component commands to control military operations, figure 4.3. Joint force commanders may decide to establish a functional component command to integrate planning, reduce their span of control, and or significantly improve combat efficiency, information flow, unity of effort, weapon systems management, component interaction, and control over the scheme of maneuver. If air assets from more than one service are present within a joint force, the joint force commander normally will designate a joint force air component commander to exploit the full capabilities of joint air operations. The A-Joint Force Air Component Commander should be the service component commander with the preponderance of air capabilities and the ability to plan, task, and control joint air operations. If working with allies in a coalition or alliance operation, the Joint Force Air Component Commander may be designated as the Combined Force Air Component Commander. Both Joint and U.S. Air Force doctrine state that one individual will normally be dual-hatted as Commander Air Force Forces and a Joint Force Air Component Commander Combined Force Air Component Commander. The U.S. Air Force prefers, and in fact plans and trains, to employ through a Commander Air Force Forces who is then prepared to assume responsibilities as a Joint Force Air Component Commander if so designated. The Joint Force Air Component Commander recommends the proper employment of Air Forces from multiple components. The A Joint Force Air Component Commander also plans, coordinates, allocates tasks, executes, and assesses air and space operations to accomplish assigned operational missions. Because of the wide scope of air operations, the Joint Force Air Component Commander will typically maintain the same joint operating area, theater-wide perspective, as the Joint Force Commander. The Joint Force Air Component Commander, as with any component commander, should not also be dual-hatted as the Joint Force Commander. Functional component commanders normally exercise tactical control of forces made available to them by the Joint Force Commander. Thus, a commander, Air Force Forces, exercises operational control of Air Force Forces and, acting as a Joint Force Air Component Commander, normally exercises tactical control of any Navy, Army, Marine, and Coalition air assets made available for tasking, i.e., those forces not retained for their own services' organic operations. In preparing for battle, I have always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. General Dwight D. Eisenhower, 34th President of the United States, 1953-1961, 1890-1969. Joint Operation Planning 
Joint operation planning consists of planning activities associated with joint military operations by combatant commanders and their subordinate joint force commanders in response to contingencies and crises. Joint operation planning transforms national strategic objectives into activities by development of operational products that include planning for the mobilization, deployment, employment, sustainment, redeployment, and demobilization of joint forces. Furthermore, Joint operation planning ties the military instrument of national power to the achievement of national security goals and objectives and is essential to securing strategic end states across the range of military operations. Planning begins with the end state in mind, providing a unifying purpose around which actions and resources are focused. Joint operation planning provides a common basis for discussion, understanding, and change for the joint force, its subordinate and higher headquarters, the joint planning and execution community, and the national leadership. The APEX system facilitates iterative dialogue and collaborative planning between the multiple echelons of command to ensure that the military instrument of national power is employed in accordance with national priorities and that the plan is continuously reviewed and updated as required and adapted according to changes in strategic guidance, resources, or the operational environment. Joint operation planning also identifies capabilities outside Department of Defense required for achieving the strategic objectives to reach the end state by providing a forum that facilitates the interorganizational coordination that enables unified action. The APEX system operates in a networked, collaborative environment, which facilitates dialogue among senior leaders, concurrent and parallel plan development, and collaboration across multiple planning levels. The Joint Planning and Execution Community uses the APEX system to monitor, plan, and execute mobilization, deployment, employment, sustainment, redeployment, and demobilization activities associated with joint operations. Clear strategic guidance and frequent interaction between senior leaders and planners promote early understanding of and agreement on planning assumptions, considerations, risks, and other key factors. In peacetime, combatant commanders develop campaign plans to delineate their strategies for ongoing, steady-state operations intended to deliver continuing strategic advantage to the U.S. and its allies. Planners develop branch and sequel plans to these campaign plans to cover particular potential contingencies within their areas of responsibility. These contingency plans can be elaborated into one of four levels of detail, each with characteristic planning products. Commander's Estimate Produces multiple potential courses of action to address the contingency and complete the mission. It contains the supported commander's evaluation of the potential courses of action along with a recommended courses of action. Base Plan This describes a concept of operations that addresses the contingency based on a selected course of action. It identifies major forces involved, the concept of support, and anticipated timelines for completing the mission often expressed in lines of effort. It normally does not contain annexes or time-phased force deployment data. Concept of plan. This is an operation plan in abbreviated format. It normally includes a plan summary, a base plan, and several crucial annexes, such as those delineating command relations and interagency coordination requirements. It may or may not include a time-phased force deployment data. Operation plan. A complete and detailed joint plan containing a comprehensive description of the concept of operations, including identification of specific forces, functional support, and resources required, 
all annexes applicable to the plan, and a time-phased force deployment data. It can be quickly developed into an operation order. In a crisis, the Joint Planning and Execution Community employs a combat air patrol to accomplish planning in a time-sensitive manner, producing orders that describe the mission, situation, and objectives, establish command relationships, identify planning assumptions, and identify and or task forces and strategic mobility resources or request them. The types of joint operation orders are Warning Order Initiates development and evaluation of course of actions by supported commander. Requests Commander's Estimate. Planning Order. Begins execution planning for a particular course of action. Directs preparation of an operation order or contingency plan. Conveys anticipated course of action selection by the President or Secretary of Defense. Alert Order. Begins execution planning for a selected course of action, directing preparation of an operation order or contingency plan. Conveys course of action selection by the President or Secretary of Defense. Prepare to deploy order. Increases or decreases deployability posture of units. Deployment or redeployment order. Deploys or redeploys forces, increases deployability posture, establishes a joint task force, and or establishes a C-day, L-hour, day or hour on which the deployment operation commences. Execute order. Implements the President's or Secretary of Defense's decision to execute a course of action or operation order. Operation Order. Directs the coordinated execution of an operation, issued by a commander to subordinate commanders. Fragmentary Order. Issued as needed to change or modify an operation order execution. Planning is conducted at every echelon of command and across the range of military operations. Joint operation planning employs an integrated process for orderly analytical and coordinated problem-solving and decision-making known as the Joint Operation Planning Process. In its peacetime application, the process is highly structured to support the thorough and fully coordinated development of deliberate plans. In crisis, the process can be shortened as needed to support the dynamic requirements of changing events. In wartime, the process adapts to accommodate greater decentralization of joint operation planning activities. Joint operation planning process consists of a set of logical steps to examine a mission, develop, analyze, and compare alternative course of actions, select the best course of action, develop a concept of operations, and produce a plan or order. Joint operation planning process is thus the process used to derive all the types of plans and many of the orders described above. Joint operation planning process is also the process used to derive subordinate plans for employment and supportive forces, including those created for use by Air Force forces. Joint operation planning process consists of seven steps. Planning initiation. An appropriate authority, such as the President, Secretary of Defense, or Combatant Commander, recognizes potential for employing military capability in a particular contingency or crisis and decides to develop military options. Mission Analysis A crucial output of this step is the mission statement. The Joint Forces mission is the task or set of tasks, together with the purpose, that indicates the action to be taken and the reason for doing so. Key mission analysis activities include such things as review of initial planning guidance and intelligence, developing the mission statement, determining known facts and developing planning assumptions, conducting an initial force allocation review, and developing mission success criteria, measures of effectiveness for the mission. 
Mission analysis concludes with a mission analysis brief to the commander and involves approval of the mission statement. Course of action development. A course of action is a potential way, solution, method to accomplish the assigned mission. Staffs develop course of actions to provide unique choices to the commander, all oriented on accomplishing the military end state. Course of actions describe who will take action, what type of military action will take place, when the action will occur, where the action will occur, why the action is required, the purpose, and how the action will take place, the method of employment of forces. Each course of action should explain the objectives, end state, key tasks, and task organization. Course of Action Analysis This step closely examines potential course of actions to reveal details that will allow the commander and staff to evaluate them in order to identify advantages and disadvantages. The primary means of conducting this analysis is wargaming. Wargaming is a conscious effort to visualize the flow of an operation given friendly and adversary dispositions, capabilities, strengths, and possible course of actions. A critical element of wargaming is the red team cell, which roleplays and models the adversary, aggressively pursuing the adversary's point of view and objectives. Wargaming can be as simple as a turn-by-turn tabletop affair or as complex as a Department of Defense-educated game hosted on mainframe computers. Wargaming allows the planning staff and commander to assess each course of action for feasibility, to answer questions like, can it be supported? Is more combat capability needed? Can the adversary effectively counter or prevent friendly action? The outputs of this step feed the next. Course of action comparison. Comparison is a subjective process whereby the course of action are independently evaluated against a set of criteria established by the commander and staff. This step should identify and recommend the course of action that has the greatest probability of success against the adversary course of action that is of most concern to the commander. Often, the staff develops an evaluation matrix that compares all the friendly course of action against the established set of criteria. This may help identify the best course of action. Ultimately, the staff develops a brief recommending their selection for best course of action. Course of action approval. In this step, the staff briefs the commander on the course of action comparison and wargaming results and recommends a course of action for approval. The commander may approve the course of action or modify it or direct the staff to reiterate portions of the joint operation planning process. From the final course of action selection, the commander and staff prepare a commander's estimate, previously described, and direct further plan or order development. Plan or order development. The commander's staff and subordinate functional or service component staffs develop more detailed plans, supporting plans, or orders as required by the mission and as described above. For further information concerning the Joint Force and Planning, see Joint Publication 5-0, Joint Operation Planning. Subordinate and supporting commands and staffs use the JOPP process to create their own plans and orders. When the Air Force Service Component or the Joint Force Air Component accomplish this process, it is known as the Joint Operation Planning Process for Air. When the Joint Force Air Component accomplishes the Joint Operation Planning Process for Air, it produces a plan known as the Joint Air Operations Plan or Joint Air Operations Plan. During execution, the Joint Air Operations Plan is divided into time-defined, usually daily, slices known as Air Operation Directives. 
Air operation directives, then, are the basis for the daily air tasking orders, which govern accomplishment of the air tasking and targeting cycles, the mechanisms of joint air employment of forces. Following execution, these cycles guide the staffs and commander through assessment of operations. Are we doing the right things, and are we doing things right in order to accomplish the mission? What is our progress toward accomplishment? The Air Force Service Component produces an Air Force Service Component Plan to support the Joint Force Air Component and the Joint Force overall. Most of all the planning described in this paragraph takes place in the Air Operations Center or Air Operations Center, although some service component planning may take place elsewhere. For more information on Air Force and Air Component Planning, see Air Force Doctrine Annex 3-0, Operations and Planning.